0: On today's show, we bring on one of the most widely known influencers in the home builder industry. And he gives some really candid insight about mistakes that manufacturers are making with builders today. Yes, demand is super high right now and the industry is hot, but frankly, a lot of manufacturers are still losing sales. And today's guest shares why manufacturers might be losing sales and what they can do about it today to stop those problems. And if you stay to the end, he also shares some really interesting marketing advice on how you can better leverage your relationships with influencers to drive more demand. It's a great show. Let's get into it.
1: Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition.
0: All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikolov. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about what's happening in the building product space, but specifically in relationship to builders, and we've got an awesome guest lined up for you today.
1: I think I could even say our guest maybe doesn't even need an introduction, but just in case, Um, We are really excited to be able to welcome Matt Reisinger. He is the chief builder of Rising Build. He's the host of the Build Show podcast, which is awesome. We recommend you check it out. He is also the founder of Build Show Network, which has a bunch of really cool like-minded builders. And Matt, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks, Beth. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate y'all having me on. Always fun to get together with other industry insiders like y'all. And you know, I've built my two companies greatly through online presence, which is really what you guys are all about. So it's fun to talk to like-minded people, although my audience is different than your audience. So it's kind of fun to have a little crossover here.
1: We're really excited. I know, Matt, you're obviously really well-known in the industry, but just can you give us a little background, maybe how you got to where you are today, and then we're going to dive in because we've got just nothing but questions for you.
2: Sounds good. I'll be brief. So I've been building for 25 years now. And I'd always kind of wanted to own my own company. And about 15 years ago, I started my home building company here in Austin, Texas called Reisinger Build. And very early on in my company, I was trying to figure out marketing and where do I spend my money? How do I budget for marketing? And I heard this speaker, David Meerman Scott, at a custom builder symposium in California talk about Blogging and creating an online presence. This is like 2006, 2005. So I, I basically started a blog, a written blog. And very soon after 2008, I started making YouTube videos and realized I should go all in on this whole digital marketing because it's really not very expensive compared to traditional print media. You know, you basically just need a, a little bit of equipment, and most platforms are free to publish to. I learned really early on that the Google will recommend you if you have content that's worth consuming for people that are interested in that particular content. So 08 I got on YouTube and I kind of stopped doing my written blog. I I would for two or three years I'd put my videos onto my written blog and stopped writing. And then I I kind of went all in on YouTube in like 2015. And for years I just bumped along at very few subscribers, very few followers, you know, not a lot of watch time, but I found out really early on, Hey, this is vital for my business. I would, I would have a video that would get, you know, 50 views, which, you know, today I'd be like, Oh, that's a rousing, you know, terrible video, 50 views. But yet I'd go into a meeting with a client and they'd be like, Oh my gosh, Matt, it's so great to finally meet you. Like i watched all eight of your videos on YouTube. And I I loved how you talked about blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And I'd be like, oh, okay, set your ego aside. It's not about the numbers. It doesn't really matter how many people are listening to your podcast, liking your Instagram posts, watching your videos. It's about the right people watching those and listening and and helping them consume that content. Like You go to your website, you guys have fantastic content that's free for manufacturers, for your audience. They consume that and all of a sudden, you become an expert. And that's kind of my story. You know, I would go to meetings and people would treat me like I was this, uh, you know, celebrity when I had 50, well, you, are. you know, <laughs> well, at the time I, I certainly wasn't, I maybe have come into that today. But what my point is that it was super valuable for my business, even when my videos got less than a hundred views in, uh, you know, two or three months time. And today I make a video and I'm kind of bummed when it doesn't get a hundred thousand views. But the point to my business is the same. You know, you need to be producing content that's helpful for people. And I think the digital strategy is 100% all in for just about any business these days. So that's the long story short. Love it.
0: (laughs) Let's dive in, Matt, and just tell us a little bit about what you see that's happening in the construction space, specifically home building. I mean, right now it's bananas, but I want to get your take on what you think is valuable for building product manufacturers to be aware of. From somebody like yourself? Because you've got, not only are you a builder, but you've got a pretty good pulse about what's happening in the industry just because people are reaching out to you, builders are trying to get your insight. What do you think is valuable for manufacturers to be aware of?
2: I think that there's a couple weird things that are happening in our industry now that no one has really foreseen. And that's both some weird shortages, but also the unfortunate after effects of being too busy. And I'm seeing both of those where You know, I've had to use some of my influencer pull to get some things to happen, even like for someone to write me back on an email, frankly. And that's concerning for me and my builder friends. Like I have a manufacturer that I really like, I have a great relationship with. I'm trying to order something. It's not free. I'm trying to pay for it. And it took me like four emails for this manufacturer to respond. Uh, and they finally responded back, like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, it's taken me 10 days to reply to your email. We're just, we're so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do with myself. And, you know, the talk among my builder friends is not just supply chain disruptions and can I get what I need, but, you know, some of my trusted friends and partners out there are so busy with new business. Even though I bought from them for 10 years, I just got to take a number and wait in line and that's troubling for for builders and i think it's interesting in that we might see failures and loss of trust even in really good times that you don't expect that you kind of think will happen only in bad or really lean times and so this this is something that you know i think manufacturers need to be getting in front of right now is get the pulse on your sales team on your frontline people and figure out a way to dial back or throttle back the desire to double your business this year. And let's double down on taking care of your core customers. You know, my, my company is not huge. We only build typically between 10 and 12 million a year on an annual volume, which means that we're buying, you know, nine or $10 million of the building products. Well, maybe not quite that much because it's labor and construction. We're probably buying uh, 5 to $6 million in building products a year. And I've got some key suppliers that we may change out because we're not getting very good service from them. And, you know, that's, that's a bummer.
0: (laughs) Have you told them that? Have you said, Hey, we're at a tipping point here. We're at a crossroads.
2: You know, it's interesting because some of this is just really, I, I feel like we're at the tip of the spear a little bit on this right now, Zach. I'm probably stream of conscious on this and this is happening at the moment. So I have not, and I need to be thinking about that, about those hard conversations that I need to have. But I can tell you that there's a whole horde of other builders that are dealing with these same issues. And builders in general are really big on loyalty and trust. You know, if you look at most builders, they use the same suppliers, they use the same subcontractors, for the most part, year in and year out, until there's a big problem that makes them go, you know, this has been terrible, I I need to switch. You know, this plumber is all of a sudden making me look bad to my clients. Or this supplier is making me look bad because I've had to tell people, I don't think we're going to make that uh, end of year delivery because of X, Y, and Z. It's looking like I'm not going to finish your house until spring of 2022. Those are the kinds of things that make people reevaluate their relationships and go, all right, I know you've been a trusted supplier, manufacturer, whatever, over the years, but maybe it's time for me to reevaluate that because of these issues that I'm having. And... Builders don't like to change things. We don't like it when new codes come out. We don't like it when my favorite uh, rep moves on because they got a promotion or because someone else hired them. Anytime that happens, that's an opportunity for someone's business to go away.
1: Matt, this is so important that you're talking about this because everyone's talking about availability, being the reason that builders, contractors, tradesmen are having to make switches from brands that they've been loyal to for years and years. Mm -hmm. No one's talking about the fact that the demand is actually driving away core customers. And I think this is huge. I'd love to hear what does that process look like for you? Like as a builder, when you have to go outside of this brand that you've been able to trust What does that research process look like for you? What vetting are you doing to decide where you're going to shift your loyalties?
2: Let me answer one other quick thing that I thought about just as you were saying that, Beth, and then I'll answer that. Absolutely. Um, What I was thinking was, what could brands do to hold people and not lose them first? And then I'll I'll answer your question. Sorry to (laughs) redirect you. But one thing that came to mind as you were saying that was I had an old boss years ago that said, reliability equals communication. And I was a young assistant superintendent and this woman in my office, who I was late on delivering something to, said, Matt, you know, it's not, it's not that you're an hour late or two days late on delivering this to me. It's that you didn't communicate well with me. And had you called the day before the due date and said, I'm so sorry, I'm swamped in the field, I'm not gonna be able to get this paperwork in, whatever, would you give me the courtesy of a, you know, a one-day delay on this deadline? And so here I am turning it in late. Oh, it's no big deal. It's only a day late. Um, Pat was her name. I wish I could remember her last name. And she said to me, Matt, reliability is all about communication. The same goes with your customers. And she said, you know, look, if you're going to be late for an appointment with a client, how much different would the conversation be if you're 10 minutes late versus 20 minutes till you go, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that there was going to be traffic on Burnett Road. I'm running about 10 minutes late. I'll see you soon. If you show up then ten minutes late, it's no big deal because you communicated. Where if you just show up ten minutes late, you're Mister Irreliable. Mm-hmm. And I think that could go a long ways with supply houses getting in front of the issues and saying, "Hey guys, I know this flooring that you ordered was supposed to deliver on uh, you know May fifteenth. I am getting a sense based on the Suez Canal issues that this stuff coming from Europe is going to be delayed. And I haven't heard yet that that's true, but." I think you should probably assume that that's going to be the case. And then a week later, hey, turns out I got a phone call from the carrier. Yep, it's not coming until uh, three weeks from the date that I told you. You know, any of those kinds of things would be a so much different conversation. And you would be the reliable supplier, even though you delivered a month late. But getting in front and communicating.
0: It's a respect thing, too. It's saying, hey, I respect you enough to communicate something that you know isn't fun to communicate. You're not avoiding the painful conversation. You know, you're valuing the relationship, you know. That's right. But back to best question. <laughs> I mean, this is what a lot of people want to know is like how do manufacturers today outside of if they have availability, <laughs> how do they win builders and what can manufacturers be doing from a marketing and sales standpoint to be more effective in their approach to marketing to people like yourself?
2: You know, I think, Zach, it's funny that in um, in really busy times, everyone can fall into being an order taker mm-hmm. where you're kind of, you forget your strategies, you forget the, uh, I'm sorry to use a sports reference, but you forget your blocking and tackling and all you do is throw end zone passes. But what we need to do is continue to foster relationships. And for me, the companies that I've done business for years are the ones that I, I like doing business with and going out and meeting your clients, you know, COVID's on the way out. Let's actually go outside and meet someone for a change. Let's pick up the phone. Let's uh, send them a, uh, you know, a box of donuts to the job site, whatever it is. I'm not saying you need to spend money, but people need to feel appreciated and feel like there's there's a personal connection.
0: Who does that well?
2: You know, there's a bunch of brands that have field reps, And some of them do them really well and others don't. You know who does it really well is Huber Engineered Woods. Yeah. They have a fantastic social presence. They have a dedicated at least person or two who does nothing but Instagram. If you DM them a question, they write you back in 30 minutes. They have reps all over the country that are actually good at going out to job sites and meeting with people. They're one of the brands that's done an amazing job of connecting socially with builders. And people who use their products in the middle of nowhere, Idaho, feel like they know the company because there's one or two people they communicate with and they feel supported and like, oh, I I know this company. And yet there's other companies out there that have a big network that I don't feel that way. And I, I can think of a company recently that I didn't, I don't have a connection with them, but I knew they had an Austin rep. And I went online and found a product I wanted to use and emailed. And there was the button like, hey, schedule a job site demo. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. So I, I typed in a, hey, visit, you know, I'd like a job site demo. Literally someone from corporate called me in like 10 minutes. I was totally caught off guard, like, who is this? And they did a fantastic job of that initial communication, but they fell off at the end where they actually followed through. And I don't want to say their name because I don't want to throw them under the bus, but it was like, everything was amazing. And I was like, this is incredible up until actually following through with the local person. And it was, uh, oh, email this person, something, something at company.com and they'll schedule it with you. I emailed that person and they were too busy to email me back. Fail. So I had this initial (laughs) like, this is incredible. Oh my gosh, they'll actually come out to my job. They'll demo this this is a cool product I'd like to start using. It's not a cheap product, it's it's an expensive, it's a premium product. Uh, and the fact that corporate you know, had somebody that was like calling me in moments after I emailed, but then I emailed the local person and nothing. So it's hard to know. I mean, of course, probably the local person is just overwhelmed, they don't know what to do. I'm sure the company probably should have hired more people. They need to manage their flow better but it was one of those like oh man what a bummer like i thought this was going to be a textbook case of what to do and i would love to say you know their name on a podcast but now i have to tuck it away as a uh, oh dang you know it was so so close
0: learning opportunity
2: yeah but they couldn't tie the knot with the lo- with the local rep some manufacturers have in-house local reps and some use manufacturers reps and and it's so interesting that usually the in-house reps are like Johnny on the spot, like you know Dave with James Hardy. Anytime I need something, Dave's amazing. He's been a rep for them for ten years. That's all he does. Whereas some other companies, you know, they have a, a rep agency, and this person reps fifteen brands, and they're harder to get a hold of. They don't what now? What product is that again? I you know I rep for these other twenty doodads. They're usually not as good. Well, not 100% though. Like last week, I made a call to Fantech, which doesn't have many outside reps. They use a rep agency. Well, it turns out the local rep agency guy was great, knew all about the product, had been doing HVAC for 20 years, and I was totally impressed. Like I thought this was going to be a terrible uh, example that I would have to not say the manufacturer. And all of a sudden, it was the opposite. The guy came out to the job, answered my question about the install, met with me and my electrician. We totally were able to, to figure out a very complicated makeup air system because this local rep knew his product line, even though that was one of 20 things he repped for. So it's it's a fine line and, and not an easy one for a manufacturer probably to, to navigate.
1: I feel like this is like a PSA. Like if you're a manufacturer, like check on your reps. You just went through, like we've, we've, we've been talking for five minutes and you've given us four examples where reps were like make or break. You emailed that one rep like four times. Somebody else, like they literally lost a sale, potentially You know all the sales you were gonna bring them for the next years. Or this other rep where you had low expectations, like I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you're a manufacturer, you need to, you need to check on your reps.
2: Yeah, and it's a tall order, right? If business is really busy right now, Beth, how do you, as a manufacturer, say to your local person, you know, how many emails do you get a day? You know, how many new clients are inquiring? And how do we legitimately turn down potentially new business? Like, if you're a lumber supplier right now and builders are calling, like, hey, this, you know, normal source for my XYZ lumber is not available, I'm calling you as a new client. You know, I do 100 houses a year. It's really hard for you to be like, "Gosh, we're overwhelmed with our normal crowd." Sorry, I can't help you. You know, that's that's a hard thing to do. So I don't have any great answers for you, but I think you're right, Beth. If if manufacturers could reach out to those people that are that are frontline customer servicing people, and figure out how do we maintain our current business and grow in a way that makes sense but not alienate our core clients and, in fact, potentially even strengthen our relationships with our core clients during this ridiculously weird time when I'm also hearing that everything in the world has a six-month lead time now when I could get it in two weeks prior to this. Yeah. And we're also, I think, this is a whole other side topic, I think we're going to start seeing builders doing some version of hoarding or ordering stuff that they don't need.
0: That's interesting.
2: Or oh,
1: that is interesting. Interesting.
2: That's going to be a whole deal that I think is going to start happening really soon. So here's a quick, a weird, for example, of hoarding that's already starting to happen. I was on a job site last week at my house under construction, and I happened to snap a picture that in the background was like 40 boxes of drywall mud, 40 buckets of drywall mud. And someone DM'd me on Instagram over the weekend, hey, check it out. Here's the shelves of the local home center. It's 100% buried. There's no drywall mud whatsoever available, except for this bag of Easy Sand 20, which if you don't know what that is, it's a super random product you'd never use in a normal construction cycle. It's like a repair product. So I thought, oh, that's crazy. I didn't expect that. The next day, I come to the job site and talk to my drywall contractor. And I said, "Guy got this message. He said, it's not available. I said, oh, that's crazy. On Thursday... My supply house, which only sells the contractors, called me and said, hey, we're running low on drywall mode, but we want to make sure our big customers like you have what they need. How cool is that? The supply house is calling them. And this guy is savvy enough to go, yeah, gosh, I want to make sure I have enough for my customers. Just out of curiosity, how many pallets of that do you have left? Well, we have six pallets left. That's all. And he goes, oh, what a coincidence. That's exactly how many pallets I needed. Can you send me all six? So, you know, we've got two examples here. We've got a supply house that's smart enough to go, hey, this is a huge customer. I want to make sure he gets taken care of. But we've got a drywall contractor who's also savvy enough to go, oh, crap, I can't make any money if I can't put mud on the wall for people. So I better get all I can get right now. He bought all six. He didn't need that. He needed one probably for the next week or two of work. But now he's got five pallets in his shop that he's basically hoarding. You know, it's the toilet paper debacle all over again. You know, <laughs> when Corona started, we all bought toilet paper not because we were out, but because we were worried about being out. And, you know, people lift up their garage door and there's a pallet of toilet paper in their garage for a two person household because everyone was hoarding it. The same's happening in the in the uh, gun industry. You can't if you're a recreational shooter. You can't buy ammunition for your 22 rifle that you use just for fun to plank with the kids because it's not available anywhere. And anytime it does come in stock, the local uh, sporting goods store says two boxes of ammo per customer per day because they know that people are going to buy whatever they can find. Once it's on the shelves, they grab it. You know, can you imagine if that happens to two by fours, to plywood, to flashing products, to you know any of these other? quote unquote, commodities that are normally on the shelf out there, it'll be ridiculous. I mean, it's, and I'm honestly a little worried this, you know, we're filming this around the start of May. I don't know when you're going to publish this, but if this trend continues, we're going to see some really weird things happen this summer based on hoarding and people buying things that they don't need yet.
0: Wow. We're going to have to have you back on and talk about it.
2: (laughs) We'll see. I mean, I, I really hope my predictions are wrong.
0: It'll be Tiger King and toilet paper all over again and lumber this go around, right?
2: I mean, you can't blame people though, right? My drawable contractor yeah. can't pay his mortgage probably. If right. his guy And his guys certainly aren't paying their mortgage if they can't go to work because there's no supplies that are normally in plentiful uh, source of. But if demand all of a sudden becomes ridiculous, you know what are they going to do? And then I think the other thing that's happened is the freeze that happened in Texas you know, in February. I think we're going to see ripples on that for months. We're a huge mm-hmm. manufacturer of anything that is petrochemical. Those A ton of those plants were closed for weeks or even months. And cocks and sealants, paints, anything that has any petroleum in it whatsoever, spray foam. I think we have what we need on the shelves right now. But again, come summer, if people realize, hey, we're getting low, well, I'm going to buy 10 cases of cock to make sure my jobs have painters cock and we don't run them out. So it's a really weird time. We got we got a lot of weird forces happening. And as busy as demand is, we have to remember to block and tackle in really good times as well as really lean times.
0: Love it. Matt, can you for our listeners just real quick, I know you record quite a bit of video mm-hmm. and brands work with you to promote their product as well as talk about their product. And what I like about your videos, I've watched a bunch of them, is you try to be pretty unbiased about your viewpoint of the product, even if they may be partnering with you. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear from you about the role of, and you might not like this word, but the role of the influencer. Yeah. In the home construction and building construction space, because you've really come up within that. What insight can you provide manufacturers? And what can you say about where you think influencer marketing is going to go if you look at the next few years and what should manufacturers be aware of about that?
2: Yeah, gosh, I've got an hour to talk about that, Zach, but I'll try and condense (laughs) it. So I I think it's a weird thing to call myself an influencer. So I try not to use that term, but I think it it is a true one in that I have a lot of people that see me as a smart builder and I influence the purchase of things because if I like it and talk about it, manufacturers tell me that their product sells. But I'm in a weird spot where I'm not press, but I'm also not pay to play. So for instance, a manufacturer sent me a a new product that I don't want to say the name because I don't want to also throw them under the bus. But at first blush, I thought, this is so cool. I'm excited about this new product on the market. And my sales team was like, hey, Matt's probably going to make a video about this. I think he really likes it. You know, if you like what we're doing, we could also do some additional advertising with you that would that would be pay to play. Like, we could do a 30 second ad on my buildshownetwork.com. I have I've started kind of my own version of YouTube, which is several other influencers, soon to be like a lot of other influencers, all shooting a video a week at their job site, all with the idea of passing on knowledge and helping people, which is really where influencer marketing starts, I think, is making sure that you're helpful to people. So, long story short, I got the product today. I was super excited about it. I was going to actually put it in a new products video. And what I thought was happening with the product, once I got the product and realized this is not at all what I thought. This seems like a total gimmick. I can't put my name behind this. I'm not going to put this in a video. So, the beauty of what I do is now I, I I can say I'm sorry. This this doesn't you know I I can't put my name behind this. I'm not going to uh, we're not going to put this in a video and. I don't care if you want to do pay-to-play with us, but that's not an option. So again, it's kind of a cool spot I'm in in that I have a lot of builders that trust me. I have to be careful with that trust. You know, if I start promoting vinyl siding, which I hate and I think shouldn't be sold, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I would lose all credibility with my audience. At the same time, I do get paid for manufacturers that I like. And most of them, I've made videos for free about them for years and all of a sudden, they want to jump on board and, and either amplify that or do things across my other platforms. And I'm totally down for that because if you're a manufacturer that makes a product that I think is good for American homes, good for builders, solves problems, is a not a premium product just to spend more, but a premium product that gives real and tangible benefits for houses that yield to more durable, more long-lasting, more energy-efficient, healthier then I'm all about helping you promote your product. And oftentimes, I make videos or put products in without any compensation. And sometimes I get compensated for it. It it, it really totally depends. So I'm in a weird spot, but it's really, really fun. I, I love to be able to shape the conversation about what a well built home is. And my hope is that, and ultimately, the the big bottom line for me is that What I do with my videos and buildshownetwork.com will elevate our standards as Americans for what a well-built house should be because I'm seeing that other places in the world have higher standards and are willing to pay for a better built project that's more long-lasting, that's more durable, that's healthier, that is more efficient. But that's not always true in the States. And so it's kind of fun to be able to build good houses, satisfy clients, and make happy clients, pay my mortgage and, and pay into my retirement account, and also influence the rest of the country to do that as well. So when I get emails from builders saying, Hey, I really appreciate your videos. I've totally transformed the way I build. And I'm doing a much, much better product than I was five years, two years, a year ago, because of your videos. Man, that makes me really sleep well at night.
1: It's
0: awesome. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of manufacturers are interested in influencer marketing. You just, you know, just mentioned about it because I, I can tell you, I've talked to both manufacturers and builders who have said they've either worked with you or another influencer and how that's influenced their decision to purchase a product or they've seen a spike in sales, whatever it might be. Because a lot of times you need somebody who's not biased or not working for the company to say, this is my experience. It worked. It didn't. This is what I like about it. This is what I don't. And a lot of people look for that credibility. Like if you think about it, like YouTube is the perfect spot for that mm-hmm. because people want reviews. They want to see what it looks like an action because you look on a, on a website and you're like, okay, this is what I'm seeing the filtered nice version of the product. But what is it like when I actually yeah. use the product? And so I think that's why I mean, I think influencer marketing is, is going to continue to grow. There's a lot of data out there that there's more and more money getting pumped into it. I know you don't like that term, but it is, in the truest sense, you're influencing a purchase, you know?
2: Yeah. And, and it, I think it's the future of advertising, just like I moved any, any traditional advertising I might have spent on my business onto, a you know, my own influencer marketing, so to speak. You know, less and less people are reading magazines, circulation from all the major building publication trades is going down and down each year. So, you know, influencer marketing and spending money on people that actually do it for a living in terms of construction that is. I think that's totally the way to go and we're probably at the tip of the iceberg. My assumption would be we're going to be uh, we'll be seeing a 2 to 3 times increase every year over the next 20 years. And it's only gonna, we're only going to see more and more manufacturers who only advertise traditionally, moving more and more of their budgets to influential type marketing.
0: That's great. Matt, this has been awesome. Man, for our listeners, if they want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: The easiest way is to shoot me an email, probably. And it's matt, M-A-T-T, at reisingerbuild.com. And I do have someone helping me manage my email. So hopefully, I will respond back quickly. But don't be afraid to shoot me two emails if I don't reply on the first one. I do get somewhere around 200 or 300 emails a day. But that's my company personal email address. So use that one. That'd be the easiest way. But then I'd love to have you connect, of course, with us on all our social as well. Reisinger Build on Instagram is my main Instagram feed. YouTube.com backslash Matt Reisinger is the build show on YouTube. And then all of my podcasts, all of my videos, and all of my colleagues are also available on buildshownetwork.com, where we publish six new videos a week currently. And by summer or shortly after, we'll be closer to 15 to 20 new videos every single week from job sites around the country. So that's that's a lot of fun as well. That is a lot of
0: fun.
1: That's Matt, awesome.
0: Matt, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And for our listeners, if you like this content, make sure you go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams, alongside Beth Popniklov. Thanks, everybody.